Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series, Christ Through Their Eyes, which was taught to help us celebrate Advent in 2021. Advent is a time to reflect upon the coming of Christ, which was revealed progressively to many people in the scripture. In this series, we consider several of these perspectives on Christ and his Advent. We hope this helps you understand and apply God's word in your life today. Qin Shi Huang. Qin Shi Huang, maybe some of you know that name. Maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong and all of you know and I'm just saying it wrong. But whatever, he was the first emperor of the United or the unified China. He reigned from 221 BC to 210, not very long, 11 years he reigned. Um, but one of the things that he was uh, known for was that he connected, he was the, the emperor that finished the original Great Wall of China, okay? But one of the other things he was known for was that he was afraid of death. He wanted to rule forever. He said, my kingdom, my um, dynasty will last 10,000 years, and I'm going to be the guy on the throne the whole 10,000 because I'm going to find immortality. So uh, he sent out some scouts to find out if they could learn how to make, uh, how to uh, make him immortal. He had sent them to lands. There were some lands that were reputed to, um, or reported that they um, were uh, uh, knowledgeable in the things of e immortality. And guess what? They went to lands where no one had ever lived forever. So they weren't the, that wasn't the place to go. So he thought, he talked to his doctors and said, can we come up with something? They couldn't come up with something. Finally, the doctors collaborated with some alchemists and they figured out that if he takes these pills that we put together, he will live forever. And they were pills infused with mercury. Yes, he took mercury pills uh, to um, give him eternal life. And instead of having, instead of living eternally, he died early, okay? He only lived to be 49 years old. Uh, mercury is not the way to go. He died, um, the, the coroner said he died from mercury poisoning. <laughs> go figure, right? Um, he was not the best guy in the world, and yet he wanted to reign forever. What we want to talk about is the one who is the good guy, our Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is the righteous one, and he will live forever. He has lived forever and always will, and he will always rule and reign. He is our eternal Lord. And um, let me just give you a little context before I read this scripture. Um, the context of this is um, Ezekiel. Um, and going into Ezekiel to set up what Ezekiel was talking about in this passage we're about to read, he, um, after King Solomon died, the kingdom of Israel was split into two, it was split into Israel and Judah, uh, and none of them were following the Lord. Um, the Israelites sinned, and they were taken into captivity into Assyria, and the, um, the ones from Judah continued to sin, and they lasted a little longer, but God sent them into, he, uh, he allowed Babylonians to take them into captivity. So here they are in Babylon, and Ezekiel is the one, one of the prophets that's there. He's prophesying to the people, and what he prophesied in the context of this prophecy that we're going to jump in the middle of is that he was talking about bringing the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel, God bringing them back together as one people 
and becoming one kingdom again. So with that, we want to turn to the scripture that we're reading today. And it's from Ezekiel 24 verses, I mean, Ezekiel 37 verses 24 to 28. And it says, my servant David shall be king over them and they shall all have one shepherd. They shall walk in my rules and be careful to obey my statutes. They shall dwell in the land that I gave to my servant Jacob where your fathers lived. They and their children and their children's children shall dwell there forever. And David, my servant, shall be their prince forever. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will set them in their land and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in their midst forevermore. My dwelling place shall be with them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. Amen and praise the Lord. Now, um, Ezekiel, um, he was this guy who was um, an exile in Babylon. He was an exile. Um, he was carried away with them. He was um, a contemporary of Daniel. He lived at the same time. And he was also a priest. It says that right in, in Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 3, that he was a priest. And in the 30th year, uh, he began to receive these visions and write down the prophecies. In the 30th year, if you know, that's when priests started their priestly ministry, their official ministry. So at that age, uh, he was not in the temple. There was no temple. They were carried away, but he began his ministry through prophecy. And he prophesied among the people. He was among the exiles. So he was right in there getting his hands dirty, as it were. And if you read some of his prophecies, he was literally getting his hands dirty at some of those prophecies. Um, so we're going to turn to and look at how he prophesied in the context of our eternal Lord. Our eternal Lord does a lot. And I want to see three points out of this passage, what our eternal Lord, the Lord Jesus, would do. This series is called Through Their Eyes, and we're seeing what... Uh, a glimpse of what Ezekiel saw in the coming at his time, the coming Messiah, who would be Jesus, who was Jesus. Now, first of all, um, our eternal Lord rules his people. He is the king. Now, notice in this scripture, it says, my servant David shall be king over them. My servant David shall be king over them. Now, uh, let's set the stage because we hear that a lot and most of us are aware of that, but let's not assume anything. Who is my servant David? Jesus, right, Jesus. And uh, we learn that in all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's constantly saying it. I'm just going to point out three places that it says that. First of all, Nathan pro uh, prophesied to, uh, or he promised David. When David wanted to build a, a temple for God, he said, you know, you're not going to. But what's going to happen is I'm going to have a temple. My servant, uh, your child, the, the, the descendant of you, David, will reign forever. He will be on the throne forever. And that was the, the, the underlying of it. He told that to David. He said, your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. He's talking about a descendant of David. Now, both uh, Mary, I mean, not Mary, both Mark, no, not Mark, take three, Matthew, all right? Matthew and Luke both uh, talk, give the genealogy of Jesus, and they made sure that, that as they traced Jesus' lineage back in time, they went right, uh, Matthew went all the way to David, 
Luke went beyond that, but they both traced it, traced Jesus's lineage all the way back to David, and that was on purpose because he is the seed who was going to come and be the on the throne forever that Ezekiel prophesied about. And then a very clear reference is in Luke 1.31, and uh, he said that he was talking to Mary, Gabriel, the angel came to Mary. And Mary, uh, he told Mary, you're going to be, basically he told her, you're going to be the Isaiah chapter 9, uh, you're going to be the virgin, 7 chapter 9, whatever. Uh, you're going to be the one. You are going to have the child. He is going to be, you're going to bear a son in your womb, and he, you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high God, which means he was going to be called the son of God. Was not Jesus called the son of God? Yes, amen. Is not he called the son of God? Yes, amen. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will give his, the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. So to set the background, when we're talking in this whole passage, my servant David shall be king over them, we're clearly talking about Jesus Christ our Lord. So, um... With that, he will reign as the sovereign king of his people. He's going to reign, and what we want to look at in some of these points is this prophecy that Ezekiel gave spoke to the advent, the coming of Jesus, the first coming when he was born as a babe in the manger that we like to sing about so much. Um, but also it looks forward to the second advent, the second coming of Jesus, and that we await today. Hopefully, eagerly we await. And as he reigns, I want to look at that from both sides. First of all, uh, from this point of view, from the first advent, Jesus uh, was king, and he explained that to Pilate. Pilate came to him and said, are you the king of the Jews? Now, did Jesus say, yeah, man? Did Jesus say yes? Not directly, but yes, he did say yes, but he did not directly say that. He said, you have said so. You've said so. Do, that, do with it what you will. And, uh, you know, I believe the reason that he said it that way was it was not an explicit but an implicit yes. He didn't want to get caught up in the political uh, connotations of what they were expecting of the king of the Jews. They had a wrong concept of the coming Jesus. And he said, you've said so to keep it clear that, yeah, I am him, but... I'm not that guy that they think I am. But he did go further and say, my kingdom is not of this world. Amen? He said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, you'd feel the power. You'd feel, you, you would see what would happen. We'd have an army in here on you. However, my kingdom is not of this world. It's of the world to come. So Jesus uh, did acknowledge his royalty when he said, my kingdom is not of this world. Paul later on said to Timothy that Jesus is the sovereign. He said in chapter 6, verse 13, that Christ, he gave the testimony before Pontius Pilate and he made the good confession. Basically, he said, yes. He who is blessed and the only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. This is Timothy, uh, Paul explicitly saying to Timothy that the one they were talking about in the past, the one that went to Pilate, the one that Pilate said, are you the king of the Jews, is indeed not only the king of the Jews, but the king of the whole creation for all times, everywhere, all uh, uh, king of kings 
and Lord of Lords. All right? So not only is he the king, my servant David will be the shepherd. They shall have all, they shall all have one shepherd. And um, of course, we know who's the shepherd? Jesus is the shepherd. Um, what did he say? Does anybody remember what he said? He said, I am the good shepherd. You know why he said he's the good shepherd? Because we're not the good shepherds. That's why. He wanted to distinguish him from every other shepherd. And he has appointed under shepherds to, to, um, to, feed the, to lead the flock and feed the flock, but only from his hand. He is the only good shepherd. And he said it such in John 10 that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd is Jesus Christ, and that's the one who was to come. Keep, keep, keep with me. Ezekiel was looking forward, and this is the one who came, the good shepherd. He said later on in chapter 10 um, in John, he said, My sheep hear my voice, and, th and I know them, and they follow me. So it's very clear who we're talking about. Jesus would be the shepherd. So don't lose sight of what. We have our king. Jesus is our ruler. He reigns and and, and, and leads us well. He's our shepherd. He takes care of us as sheep. And what are sheep known for? Dummyosity. <laughs> That's the smart word that the sheep just made up. <laughs> you like that, huh? Okay, uh, yeah, not smart, not smartestness, <laughs> okay? Um, sheep are known to be pretty dumb, and they need a shepherd badly. And he compares us to sheep a lot. So lest, you know, I know a lot of proud people, I being one of them, let's not get too proud about ourselves because he says we're just dumb little sheep and he is the good shepherd. <laughs> Peter said when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. The chief shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd. So he's going to take care of his people and um, he's going to uh, rule them as king. He's going to be the shepherd and feed them and nourish them and, and nurture them and protect them. And he is also, it says here, he is the priest. I mean, he is the prince. I'm sorry, he is the prince. Um, that's an interesting thing. He said he shall be the prince forever. It's interesting that he uses king and prince in the same passage. Um, it's kind of the same way to say something. It doesn't mean, it's not a contradiction. He's going to be the leader. And in the context, uh, if you remember Isaiah chapter 9, he said Jesus will be, the coming Messiah will be the Prince of Peace, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And in this context, we're going to see peace in a moment, uh, in just a moment in the next point. But he is the Prince of Peace. He will be the Prince of Peace. And Jesus, uh, Jesus said, in bringing that peace, in John chapter 14, he said, Peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. Uh, not as the world gives do I give my peace to you. He is the, 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 the Lord, the God, the king, the prince who rules in peace. Unlike the, the king, I, uh, uh, Chin Chi Huang, <laughs> it's not easy for me to say, or any other king for that matter. He is the only good king. That's what he said. Don't, don't, no one's good except God himself. And Jesus is God the Son. So, uh, the final point in this is he is king, he is shepherd, and he is prince in his first coming. But guess what? It says he will be 
all three forever. He shall be king over them. They shall have one shepherd. He shall be their king and prince forever. He will be their forever king, prince, and shepherd. And we see that in a number of places that Jesus not only came to be the prince and the, and the king and the shepherd until he died on earth, but for all times. Okay, you with me? Are you excited about that? Are you more excited than you look? Yes. Amen. That's good. Uh, again, in Luke chapter 1, verse 33, he said, and he will reign. This is Gabriel again talking to uh, Mary. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. No end. Guess when eternity ends? Never. That's the very definition of eternity. It never ends. And he will be the king. He will be the shepherd. He will be the priest, the prince forever. Hallelujah. Sip of water time. <laughs> In Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, uh, a very familiar uh, verse to you if you like uh, George Friedrich Handel. The seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Right? Yes. Long before there was a George Friedrich Handel, uh, John wrote those words in Revelation eleven fifteen. 15. He... Uh, he will rule them forever and ever. He shall reign forever and ever. So if that doesn't light your fire, uh, your logs must be wet. I'm just saying. Uh, not only will he be king forever, he will be shepherd forever. In John chapter 10, he says, again, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they will follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And if we never perish, he must lead us forever. And we will, those of us who are born again, who have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, will never die and you will have a forever shepherd. Um, the Lamb uh, is in the midst of their throne, will guide them forever. He will give them springs of living water. Not only will he be king forever, shepherd forever, but he will be prince of peace forever. And just, uh, he, he talks about, uh, uh, John in chapter 1 says... Uh, the, uh, the, excuse me, the, John the Baptist saw him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He will be the prince who takes away, uh, the prince, yes, uh, that's the right word, the prince of peace. And we have peace with God because he has forgiven us our sin. Okay? Just keep in mind, our sin is what has, uh, from what Simeon uh, talked about in the previous message, is what separated us right from the beginning. It put a wall between us and God. And we were at enmity with God, not because of him, but because of us, because of our choices, because of our desires to live as God ourselves. The promise that Eve uh, heard, you will be like the most high God. We heard that last, last message, right? And we carry that. We carry that forward. And he is the prince of peace who will rule us in peace forever because he has taken away the enmity, because he, because of his blood, has forgiven us of our sin and cleansed us from our unrighteousness, and thereby we have fellowship with him forever. Yes. 
So, he will be our forever king, prince, and shepherd. So not only will he, our eternal Lord, rule his people, our eternal Lord blesses his people. He blesses his people in giving them uh, a few points here. He gives them power over sin. Uh, notice here he says, they shall walk in my rules and be careful to obey my statutes. Okay? Now that was a problem. That was a problem in Ezekiel's day. It was a problem all the way from Adam and Eve's day all the way to your and my day. But it was a problem when Ezekiel prophesied, when he saw this uh, uh, when God had him pen this vision of what was going to happen in the future, that's why, why they were captives. They, they chose to go away from God, and now they're in Babylon. And he says in Romans chapter 6 that we, are, we have been slaves to sin. You know what slaves are? A slave is one who has no choice. You do what I, the master says. And our master was sin. And think back, we had to do what our master said. We had no choice in the matter. But the next verse says we were slaves to sin, but because of the blood of Jesus, we are now slaves to righteousness. We have been freed from sin. We have been freed from sin, people. We have been free from sin. We are now slaves to righteousness. How about that one? We are slaves. We have to do what the master says, the master's righteousness. Come on. If we have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us, we must obey. Now, what he did was he still allowed us to live in the flesh, and we still make bad choices. Well, at least, huh? Did my wife say amen? Okay. All right. That's a good one. Not one of y'all said amen. Y'all were being nice up here. I got you. Okay. For those of you in the internet, that was... Anyway. Okay. Hallelujah. Glory to God for the wife. Um, so we've been set free from sin, and he gives us the Holy Spirit of God today. Okay. Jesus left, so he, we have the Holy Spirit, and uh, we have, therefore, the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, patience, peace. I probably said it in the wrong order. Kindness, goodness faithfulness and gentleness, self-control. I think that's all of them. Yes, against the, such there is no law, okay? The, the law is that we have the spirit of Christ, the spirit of God himself. So he said we will be able to walk in his rules and, um, and follow his statutes, obey his statutes. But not only that, he makes a covenant of peace. He says, I will make a covenant of peace with them. Now, um, Jesus, as we said, he is the prince of peace. But he said in Ephesians, okay, so he came to be our peace. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, he says, for he is our peace. Okay? Not only does he bring our peace, we saw that in John 14 a moment ago, my peace I give to you. Hey, I am peace. He is our peace. Uh, and he made both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. That's what I just talked about. There was a dividing wall of hostility between me and him because of me. Okay? And uh, he tore it down through his blood. And through receiving him, I am now 
on the other side of the wall. The wall has been taken down, and I have fellowship with him. And that's how it is with you. Uh, and for those of you that don't know the Lord, that offer still exists, but it expires upon death. So, and we don't know if tomorrow's promised us. And so today is the day of salvation. And trust me, it is so much better on this side with the wall torn down than being on a, a wall between me and our Lord, our eternal Lord. Now, um, he will also set them in their land. He, um, he gives them power over sin. He makes a covenant of peace with them. And he will set them in their land. Um, and uh, he will multiply them. He says, I will set them in their land and multiply them. And we'll come back to this in a little bit. But, uh, you know, the Jews, uh, one of the things is bringing them back to their land. He did, through Ezra, set them back into their land. But this is more for future fulfillment because guess what? The Jews, they are going to live in, you know, in, in the coming, in the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem. But praise be to God, he tore down the wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile as well. And we are going to dwell there as well. Amen? We will dwell forevermore with him. And that's my next point. But we will be with him he sets the land and multiplies them. And he did, he does, he's already multiplying the church from day one. In Acts chapter 2, 47, what did he say? And he added to their numbers daily, every day, those who were being saved, day by day. Not only that, he will set their sanctuary in, in their presence. And him setting his sanctuary in their presence is just saying his presence is going to be in our presence. All right. So these are blessings that he's giving us. He's giving us power over sin. He is, a, he is setting us up to where his land. He's making a peace, a covenant of peace with us. He is putting his presence with our presence. Uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus came as a babe to dwell uh, uh, with us, uh, with his people, and to live as a person that he might be able to minister to us and to die the death that he did, a sinless death, so that we might have life. He died so we might have life. Okay? But all these blessings, and these are just a sample of blessings that are in this passage. There's untold blessings that he does give his people. But again, in this passage, he says, he will be the blesser of his people forever. He will be, it will be forever. Notice in Ezekiel 37, 26, he says, it will be an everlasting covenant. I will set them in their land and multiply them uh, forevermore. This will happen forever. So we're looking to the second advent of Christ. And so that he's coming again to set all things straight. And he will give blessings forevermore. Forevermore. They will always come to us. And these same blessings that we saw there, power over sin, forever. Uh, a covenant of peace, it's an eternal covenant of peace. Uh, dwelling in the land forever and ever and ever. Multiply. We will be, we will be uh, multitudes will be there. It will be blessings forever. And in Revelation 21, he said, He will wipe every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be no mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. He, um, he said, write this down, uh, John, that you will be there forevermore, and he will wipe every tear away. We will have every blessing for all times. Isn't that good news? It is good news. It is very good news. So now he is the, um, our eternal Lord rules his people. Our eternal Lord blesses his people. 
But then the passage uh, goes to show that our eternal Lord dwells with his people. All right, we touched on that a little bit when he put his sanctuary in his presence. But look what he says. Not only does he put it in our presence, they will dwell in their land. So he puts the land out and they will dwell in the land. They shall dwell in the land. And then further again in verse 26, he says, I will set them in their land. Okay, so he will be set in the land. And the second point there is they will dwell at his sanctuary. So he puts his sanctuary in front of us and we will dwell with him. His people, remember he's prophesying uh, in the short term to Israel and Judah. They're going to come back together and dwell with him. For, dwell with him. I didn't get to the forever point, but that's the point. They're going to dwell with him forever. And we as well will dwell with him at his sanctuary where his presence will be. And, you know, right now we don't have any, we are always in God's presence, but it's veiled right now. You know, he says we see through a glass darkly uh, and we know in part, but then we will know even as we are known for we will see him as he is. And that is going to be a glorious day. If we have eternal perspective, what happens is, is we have temporal perspectives and we don't give our lives to the Lord because we think we can handle it all. But those who have recognized that he has called and has chosen, we've recognized and given and, and, and he has changed our lives. He has indwelt us with the Holy Spirit. And that offer is out to any one of you who don't know the Lord today, that he will indwell you and we will be able to dwell with him forever and see him as he is. His sanctuary is indeed his presence. And he says, with that testimony, the nations will know that I am the Lord. The nations will know. In the short term, guess what? Nations are coming to him day by day, you know, day by day. In fact, this nation is no longer the, you know, one of the biggest nations. Uh, Brett has told us many times of, of the growing church in places greater than, more than here. And yet... There are lands that are coming, there are peoples coming to the gospel at all parts of the globe who have never even, uh, they've had no ancestors who've known the Lord in umpteen generations and now they are coming. He will multiply them and the nations are beginning to know. And that's why our testimony is so important here because one of the reasons the nations know that he is Lord is because of our conduct. When we act as the world, we have no answer for them. When we live as the world, it's the same. Why would I waste time sitting in church when I could be doing whatever I want to do? Why would I waste time reading the Bible when I'm the same as you? They're looking for hope, and the hope is in Jesus, not in us. And as we live his way, the nations know that he is Lord. One of the ways they know is they will know, they will know us by our love one for another. Just, just remember that, our love for one another. He says, this will also be forever. Notice in Ezekiel 25, 26, and 28, quickly he says, they shall dwell there forever. Further, he says, I'll set my sanctuary in their midst forevermore. And he says, the nations will know when my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. You getting the theme here? You getting the theme? What's the one word theme? Forever, amen. Forever, that's the point. He will be forever and ever uh, dwelling with his people, blessing his people, and ruling his people to the glory of himself, not 
and all we do is get the benefit. That's the other verse there. When my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. Revelation, um, I'm going to close with this verse and then we're going to go to applying the word. And uh, it's not up on the screen, but listen to this. Then I saw, Revelation 21.1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Just let that soak in. He, we will be there with him. The marriage supper of the Lamb is coming, folks. It's coming. And in a moment, we're going to do a little practice, a little dress rehearsal, but the real deal is coming. And I am excited for that. So let's apply this. How, can, how might we apply this word? Well, we have one question. Well, actually, several questions, but it, 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 it comes out of one question. There's a spinning wheel up there, but it says applying the word. Okay, there it is, <laughs> applying the word. Um, it says, uh, am I eagerly anticipating, eagerly awaiting, eagerly looking for the second advent of Christ? Am I looking for Jesus? Am I living day by day as if Jesus is coming soon? We got to get our house in order. Who knows when our last day is? And I only have that long to be used by him to be a minister of his things, of his ways, of his word. And then it's no more. I have no more opportunity. Are we looking for him? Um, I'm reminded of Simeon from uh, Luke chapter 1. Uh, Simeon uh, looked eagerly for the coming of Messiah. And he said, God, I don't even want to die until I see him. And God allowed him to live. And just an interesting fact, I named my son Simeon. My wife and I named him both. I didn't take full credit for that. We did that together. And uh, that was one of the reasons we named him, is that we, wanted, we prayed that we would have a son that would eagerly look for the second coming, like the first Simeon looked for the first coming. And the reason I bring that up is because that's what we all want to be, Annas and Simeons. We want to be Simeons looking and eagerly awaiting. Am I doing that? Do I realize in that context, out of that question, do I realize that my citizenship is actually in heaven? You know, we started talking about Ezekiel prophesying with exiles and being in exile. Do I realize that this is not my home? That I am a citizen of heaven? That is my home? I'm just here for a minute and then I'm home forever. And it is a minute. It, 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 compared to eternity, it's less than a minute. <laughs> you can't even quantify it. Um, do I rely on the Holy Spirit to overcome sin, for power over sin? Thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do I pray without ceasing, living a life in constant commun commune, uh, prayer, commune, commun I can't think of the word, praying with him. <laughs> praying to him and listening to him. That's the word. Am I proclaiming God's excellencies day by day? I want to close with this, uh, this passage to remind us to wrap it all with a bow, with a nice Christmas bow. 
1 Peter chapter 2, 9 through 11, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to, and I intentionally left that there. I intentionally left that. I urge you to. Because he goes on and says what he urges them to do right then. But as sojourners and exiles, I urge you to do what God calls you to do. To follow the Holy Spirit. To live in his word. To minister in the ways that God calls you to. But as sojourners and aliens, and, and sojourners and exiles, remember this is not our home. We eagerly await our king, our ruler, our shepherd, our prince of peace. We eagerly await the one who blesses us. We eagerly await the one who will dwell, who will allow us to dwell with him forever. And we, I urge you, to live a life worthy of the Lord. So we're going to come to the table now, the table of our eternal Lord. And um, as I said a moment ago, this is like a dress rehearsal, maybe not a dress rehearsal, maybe it's an early rehearsal, I don't know, I don't know how to say it, but it is a rehearsal uh, for uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And uh, together, uh, you're not going to have an under-shepherd uh, leading. You're going to have the over-shepherd, the real shepherd, the good shepherd leading. And we're going to feast with him forevermore. That's an exciting time. And I, I don't even know what that's going to be like. You know, it's just, it's in my, my thoughts and, and looking. But uh, no, I don't know what that's going to be looking. That's going to be so much greater than you or I can even imagine. Think about the best day you've ever had. Think about the, the, the most exciting thing that you've ever had, the most joy and fun and, and good feelings and good circumstances you've ever had. And that's garbage compared to what's going on in heaven. That is literally like garbage compared to it. For um, the table of our Lord, we're going to partake together and... Um, as a member uh, of God's eternal church, of his universal church, you are welcome. You do not have to be a member of Bay Ridge to take it. If you're a believer in the Lord, that is, if you uh, have received him as Lord and you acknowledge that he alone died for our sins, uh, and because of him we have pure hearts, and uh, you've received him, then you, we invite you to partake. If you're not a believer yet... Or if you're not a believer, we just let it pass. Um, and as a matter of fact, I say let it pass. We don't even pass it anymore. If you didn't get, uh, there's some packets in the back. It has the bread, which is a wafer, and the juice in one container. If you don't have it, there's some back there. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful that you have laid out so clearly that we are sinners desperately in need of salvation. You raised up the writers of Holy Scripture to proclaim your words and your ways. We thank you that you led Ezekiel to write this prophecy that thus far has come to pass. 
and the future segments we are absolutely sure that we can count on you to bring to fruition. We know that all have sinned. That is all. And that without Jesus there's no hope of salvation. And yet while we were sinners Christ died for us. Thank you for sending your son, your only son. And whoever believes in him should not perish but shall have everlasting life. We thank you for your covenant of peace which is ours through no merit in ourselves but on the merits of your son. We're so appreciative that you have invited us to be a part of your eternal plan, have adopted us as your children, and will bring us home safely to dwell with you through all eternity. And thank you, Father, for inviting us to commune with the triune living God. Amen. For what I received from the Lord, I pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had blessed it, he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup. And after blessing it, he said, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you, for your sins. Drink from this, all Drink from this, all of you, remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord Jesus, you are our eternal Lord, the one who is, was prophesied to come so long ago by Ezekiel and others. Thank you that though you were from eternity past in the form of God, you emptied yourself by taking the form of a tiny baby, a human, a servant, in the likeness of men. Thank you, our Lord Jesus, for humbling yourself to come to earth as a helpless baby, living a sinless life, humbling yourself by becoming obedient to the point of death on a cross. Thank you that you allowed your body to be broken for us. We thank you for being the good shepherd. You have given under shepherds to care for the flock, but we are flawed, Lord. And thus we rely on you to truly lead the flock. You will always lead us perfectly. Thank you, King Jesus, for who you are and for what you have done for us, a holy, undeserving people. Amen. Take, eat. Holy Spirit of God, you're welcome in this place. You came to dwell in us that we might have victory over sin, that we might know the mind of Christ, that we might comprehend the Holy Scriptures. We know that salvation is only found in Jesus and you, Spirit of God, are the only one who opens our eyes to these truths. We pray today that you would guide us into your truth. Help us to live lives worthy of the Lord. We are only able to take this communion because of you have led us to Christ and led us to this table. We thank you for showing us that this cup is the representation of the blood of Jesus, which is the basis of the new covenant, the eternal covenant of peace. Amen. Take and drink. Lord Jesus, we recognize you as Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you for your first advent that you came to dwell with your own, though your own did not receive you. Thank you for your death on the cross, your resurrection, your ascension, and thank you for coming again, which we eagerly await, knowing that soon we will dwell with you in peace forever. Hallelujah! For our Lord God, omnipotent reigneth, all God's people say hallelujah, hallelujah. and amen. Amen. amen.
Praise the Lord. And now receive the benediction from Hebrews 13. Now may the God of peace, who brought you again from the dead, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good thing, everything good, that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Go, be, be a blessing, receive the blessing, and be a blessing. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.